Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Christoph Katzbeck. Hi, Jay. Hey. They have to, uh, people who are listening are probably really happy to hear you introduce the podcast instead of me because I definitely don't have the, hey everybody, I just Well, yeah, then it'd be a knockoff. You can't do that. No, I can't do it. So people don't know that I practiced for a really long time trying different catchphrases. Yeah, just... Like I was trying like ke- different catchphrases to introduce the podcast. Like, what's up, everybody? <laughs> and just, what? Just imagine you sitting in your office. Yeah, like, just trying just, all of them. Like, like hey, guys. Um, like, you know. What's up? Hello, church. Podcast. And podcast now. now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was one of them, too. Um, there was, yeah, there were all kinds of them. I think we had 48 of them. And then I auditioned all of them for the entire staff. Yeah. And then we cut it down like NCAA tournament style. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. wanted to have 64, so I had that, but then it was really only 48 that made the cut for me. And then we got down to, hey, everybody. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, so here we are. So anyway, so it's that probably like true. a warm hug. It's probably, yeah. yeah, none of that is true. No. None of that is true. It was Robbie and I fighting over starting the very first podcast and who was going to start it, and I just, you just started. You just went in I both just, feet. Yeah. Know, just, just jumped in, and then it became the thing. You did, yeah. One but then thing, it feels really weird when I try to do it, and yeah. so I just, I can't, yeah. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it. So, yeah, I've been out for the last two, and now yeah. I'm back. You're back. Yep. How was, was Colorado? Yeah, it was great. I mean, yeah, we had a huge blizzard really? while I was up there. Yeah, um, which, it was awesome. So, it really felt like a, like a kid again. Is there something really, um, I don't know, cozy about a blizzard coming in when you don't have anywhere to go like so we're at this retreat center where we do all the classes and everything and so you walk down the hill to um to the dining hall but that's it so when you see the blizzard starting in it started in at like the end of one of the days even as i was teaching and and i just had this feeling of like well i don't have anywhere to go and i'm not responsible to clear out any of the drives or the walks or anything so it's actually it reminded me of being a kid. It's just it's nice scenery at that point, right? Yeah, it's nice scenery and yeah. you feel cozy and it feels like, you know, whatever. And I thought, man, it's been a long time since I've felt this. Because as an adult, a blizzard means extra work. Responsibility. <laughs> Responsibility. Like I got to figure out how yeah. I'm getting to work, what time do I have to clear out the driveway. Like I, if I don't clear out the driveway, it's going to pack down. And then plus when you're in Colorado, it all melts anyway. So by by the day, I mean, certainly 24 hours later, it was almost all gone. Because the sun is just so intense up there. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's nice. So it was beautiful. I got to see Robbie, hung out awesome. with Robbie a little bit, and the yeah. family. So that was uh, that was fun. He he's he graduated. Yeah, he graduated. That's yeah, cool. So if you're listening to this and you know Robbie, it would be awesome if you sent him a congratulatory text for graduating. I sh- I don't think I actually sent him one. You I didn't probably, send I probably, him. No, oh I probably should. I know I'm the worst. Somebody should. I'm the worst. Somebody should. It Listen, was, Robbie. Ro- the texts Robbie and I send at this point since since he has been gone have just all basically been like, "Hey, you watched the latest Star Wars thing?" <laughs> well, it's better than other things it could have been. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guess true. what Jay said today? That would be the. I think that's Jeff. Jeff does. Jeff, that. Sends Jeff those definitely ones, yeah. sends texts. Of, <laughs> Hey, how do I respond to Jay when he says this? Um, goes, he's oh. yelling out podcast intros mm-hmm. in his office. Yeah. What, what do, do I, I do? What, what do, I do I do? Yeah. So we did actually have our first graduating class and that was really awesome. So yeah. the William Tennant School of Theology had their very first uh, graduating class and had our first graduating ceremony. And it was it was really neat. Um, 
the furthest traveled to attend one of our students is originally from Australia and his parents came from Australia to uh, come to the ceremony. So that's awesome. That's, that's pressure. Cool. Yeah. I thought that people that, you know, flew from Boston and all that were going to, that was pretty impressive, but no, Australia wins. Turns out halfway around the globe is, is a little bit further away than. Yeah. Is yeah. it halfway around the globe or all the way around the globe? Uh, ha- Halfway. 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 Yeah. I've got a, we got a globe right there. I know. So it's halfway. halfway. Yeah. Well, you're right. Right. Well, you did that on Sunday. You said a 180. Yeah, I know. Like, as soon as I said that, I was and then like, I, it was a nice recovery, though, because I was like, oh, no, if you do the whole full 360 thing, you're going to be like right back in the sin. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. If anybody saw that, I was like, nope, nope. But you, I, you. I've never claimed that numbers or math no, have been my thing. You, so, masterfully, yeah. you masterfully pulled out of that nosedive. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was well done because I thought, oh, no. And then it, you did it so well that I was like, wait, did he plan that? I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. That was actually off the cuff. That was that was off script, which is a dangerous yeah. place for me. So. You're like, so you think <laughs> what you want to do is turn all the way around and go right back into the sin. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you would. <laughs> that's what repentance is. That's oh, oh well, yeah. You get to one eighty from that. Yeah, yeah, one eighty. Yeah. All right. So anyway, yeah, you got to preach on judgment. Yeah, which is fun. Very fun. No wonder. Surely Jeff definitely dodged that one. Oh my goodness! I looked at that and was like, I'm not talking about that. When's the next one on kittens? Yeah. <laughs> I want to do. I want to. I want to preach on kittens. I, uh, it's, uh, Jeff and I were actually talking about this this morning. Everybody likes kittens. Everybody does like kittens, but that's not what we were talking about. Uh, that when, when we were planning out the sermon schedule, I didn't, I guess I didn't think about the gravity of that section. I was just like, oh yeah, sure. I'd love to preach on that. That's, that sounds great. Um, and as I was, as I was prepping last week and reading through it and praying through it, like it just felt heavier and heavier <laughs> Here, yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tough passage. Well, yeah. I mean, let's be fair. I still, still to come is the hardest, what I think is clearly the most difficult passage in all the Sermon on the Mount, and I get that one. So, which, which one? Well, are the you... depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. That's like, I think that's, I think that's hands down. Other ones are challenging, but that one is like, holy cow, that it's, is, yeah, especially at the, the end of the, um, the whole sermon, he says that, and then says, "If you, if you will obey my words, it's like building a house on a rock." So there's, it's pretty, it gets pretty hairy there at the end. But we're not there yet. You had to deal with not. judge, judge not, lest ye be judged. Yeah. How many yeah. times have you heard that in a movie? Like in a, a movie? movie quote, I hear that all the time in movie quotes. Doesn't the Bible say, "Judge not, lest ye be judged"? I am sure it is used all the time. I can't think of a really? single instance off the top there's, of my head. There's but, one that's yeah. popping in my head specifically with that um, that version, and I can't I can't think of it. Is it that that King James version? I will say that yeah. I stumbled on the es the ESV version. The judge not that you you may not be judged. Judge not that you. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm used really, to. You're nailing it. No wonder you went to the NIV. Well, like I've heard, I've heard. Uh, you hear, judge not lest lest you be judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Yeah, which is just kind of feels in yep. the English language feels kind of weird. ESV for the win. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I stumbled through that. And how I, can I, how can we make this? Oh my goodness, difficult and, for someone to read out loud. And I and I read the passage so many times over the course of this week, and I just kept uh, yeah fumbling on that. All right, so you, um. So he preached on judge, judgment and judging others. Yeah. If you had to summarize, I'm putting you on the spot here, 
But if you had to summarize that sermon in one main idea, what what was the big idea you were trying to get across? Um, f- flee from self righteousness. Like, don't. I-, I think that so much of judgment was just was centered in self righteousness, right? And and I think that he un- Jesus unpacked that. Well, yeah, I think you did a good job of connecting this to the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. So you're building, you're making the case that Jesus is building this picture of what the kingdom is like and then to pursue the righteousness of the kingdom and not one's own self-righteousness. So let's 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 think about that for a second. How how would you define self-righteousness? Like what do we we say it a lot, but what do we what do we actually mean when we say self-righteousness? It's it's finding your your right and wrong, your identity, who you are um, in your in yourself, rather than in who who God has said you are, right? And and I like one of the things I said in in my sermon. I in maybe the word comes off as is harsh, but it really is kind of this idolatry, right? This yeah. us taking the spot that God has has reserved um, that that God um, needs to be in our life and putting ourselves in that position and finding um, just, yeah, our worth in ourselves, this, this self-righteousness, rather than finding our worth in our creator, the one who gives us righteousness, which I would much rather find it in the one who created me. He knows me better right. than I know me. So I think that's where it, I think that's where it stems from. And, and I do, I do think that it was a, a big portion of just the Sermon on the Mount as I was, as I was praying through this it really is this self-righteousness. And he, you think about Jesus' ministry and he, he tends to really call out the self-righteousness of the Pharisees and the religious elites all throughout the day. And it's those who are, um, you, know, you read through the Beatitudes, those who are humble, those who are meek, those, those are the ones who will, um, inherit the kingdom. And so, um, Right, but why? You know, that's the thing: is that it's self righteousness is be declaring yourself righteous. Yes. Right? So that's yeah. at, at its core. So you pointed out in the sermon that God is the one, and and you took some time, which I think was well spent, to to point out that God is the standard bearer. Like right. He is the right. holder of the standard. He's the definer of righteousness and holiness, and we are. That is the standard that we are called to. That we're called to. Right. But your only path, the only two options are to either attempt that in your own flesh, which you will not be able to achieve God's standard, so you have to create a new standard for yourself, right. and you then declare yourself righteous, or you find your righteousness in Christ, which is the process of humility and dying to yourself and finding your righteousness in Christ. And so I think... That that in and of itself is that that idea that you that those are your those are the two choices. Right. You know, earlier right. he talked about you can choose to serve God or Mammon. You know, God or money. Mm-hmm. Like it's one way or the other. Well, this is similar. That you are you're either self righteous or you're declared righteous in Christ. Those are the only two options, and they're mutually exclusive. You can't be self righteous. You can't determine that you are going to be the standard bearer and you declare yourself righteous and receive the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. You can't do both. Yeah. And, and what, so what, is, what ends up happening though, so this, and this is where I think the judging comes in, is we are, when, when we are living in our self-righteousness, right, or declaring ourselves righteous, and then we export that onto other people, 
what, what ends up happening is now all of a sudden we are not only finding our righteousness in ourselves, but we are expecting others to live within what we have declared to be righteous, right? So when yeah. we take on that, and that that's so dangerous. Like you really want to be the person who determines that you want to be the standard bearer. You want to be the one who puts on those robes and is declared judge. I like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And we did have a question. We'll get to that because I think this is the good foundation for it. So, so what you're saying there and what I heard you saying on Sunday, if I could kind of recap it is you basically, I mean, Jesus is multiple times in this sermon, giving you the choice of like, one way is the kingdom way. The other way is yeah. is the world's way. It's your way. And it really comes down to here of who's God. And your choices are pretty simple. Like option one, you are God. You're the standard bearer. You are the, the, um, the, you are the one who sets the standard, who defines what holiness is. And then you declare yourself righteous according to that standard whether it's, you know, as he talked about earlier, how you pray, how you give, how you fast, how you treat people. Um, and you define all of that. So you put yourself in the position of God, and then, and then you judge yourself righteous, and then you judge others as not righteous, as not living up to your standard. And God says, if you choose that path, then, then I will judge you according to that standard which you won't be able to meet. Right. And you'll be you'll actually stand condemned. The other option is to let God be God and to say his standard is the standard and I cannot declare myself righteous according to that. So you rely on his mercy. So as you receive mercy from God, you then give that mercy to others. Mm-hmm. Right. You offer that, you extend that, which is why then you wouldn't judge. So right. like if you if you are throwing yourself at the mercy of the king, you don't then go and and hold other people to some standard that you you would look at them and say you also can receive mercy, which is the the parable of the unmerciful servant or the unforgiving servant um that Jesus will share later. And and it's the also the phrase that I hear Dave Ekstrom loves to say this phrase and I forget now where it comes from. But that evangelism is just one one beggar sh- um, telling another where to find food, yeah, or where to find bread, and that's the posture. So you have those two postures. One is I dictate what is righteous. I declare myself righteous, and I judge you for not living up to my standard of righteousness. The other is God has this level of righteousness and holiness that neither one of us can obtain. I throw myself at His feet of of mercy in Jesus and then that is what I am calling you to also. Right. And therefore there's no judgment. Which then goes into why he says, you know, first remove the log out of your own eye, which I think one of the reasons why it's a log and a speck is because you're you're first removing your self righteousness, which is worse. Like self righteousness blinds you to everything. Yep. Yeah. Whereas other sins don't like don't necessarily there are a lot of people who know that they're broken and know that they're sinful. They may not know the grace of Christ, and they may not understand that, but the person who, the most dangerous person is always the person who thinks that they are righteous apart, but they're actually apart from Christ. 
And so I think that's the biggest blind spot. The biggest blind spot is self-righteousness. So if that it stands to reason why he would say, first remove that log from your own eye, this log of self-righteousness, get rid of that. And then you'll be able to see clearly to do what? To remove the speck from your brother's eye, which one shows, hey, you think that you're more righteous, but you're actually in, have a bigger blind spot than they do. And then secondly, the help to remove is the pointing to Jesus. It's not, it's not a smaller version of judgment, right? So it's not like I, I declare myself, like I, I, I receive mercy from Christ, which then removes the log from my own eye, and now I can see clearly. Now, I'm, now I am righteous, so now I can see clearly to judge you and get rid of that speck. That's not what he's saying. Right, right. He's saying you now who have had that log removed by mercy and by grace will now be able to see clearly. In other words, be able to understand the grace and mercy of Christ, and then that is what you offer to someone rather than judgment. Right, right. I, I was so I had I had kind of said, and I, I didn't realize that this was going to be something that I, I just heard feedback from afterwards um, that this was something I struggled with a lot in my past and also in my in my present. And I was thinking how you know before when I was a high schooler, this might be a silly example, but when I was a high schooler, um, music was really important to me, really important to a point of where what I listened to and what other people listened to kind of was a was a big factor in who I invested time into, just like music, the kind of music they listened to. And to a point where if you didn't listen to a certain style of music or a certain kind of music, like I would actively put those people down. And oftentimes what I was looking for in that moment was also validation then from other people, which, you know, you can change that to this concept of glory, right? I was looking for glory for other people of this this self-righteousness of the thing that I determined what was right and wrong. So music might be like a, a, a silly thing, but but put in all sorts of different things in there as well, how people spend their money, what they spend their time on, um, all of those things, and and do the exact same thing, you know, just completely blasting somebody for how they spend their money, as, as an example. That um, could be a form of judgment. And then who in that moment is looking for the validation? Who's looking for the glory? Who's who's being the one who is the standard bearer? And, and I, you know, what I what I want and what I need in my life is to be giving God all of that glory, and in order to do that, I need Him to be able to one that set Him to be the one that sets those standards. I need Him to be the one who is that one who is able to say this is the righteous thing, this is the right thing, um, the morally correct thing. And, and I, like, what's amazing to me is that we oftentimes forget, and I, I think this is also part of it, and I maybe could have hit on this a little bit, is that like literally God's spirit walks with us, right? And with others. We need to trust that like the work that he is doing in us and in others is the is the right thing, you know? Um, and if it's not, then to ask the question, like how are you not listening to where God is leading you? But like, I think we miss that. We miss that like that dwelling of the spirit within believers. Right. And then we, we, we want to ironically play that role of, the Holy Spirit in the life of other um, believers. Anyways, a little bit of a, a tangent on that. But um, but yes, to just kind of affirm everything you said with with righteousness and this idea of placing ourselves above above others and this needing. What surprises me about that, about this, is we act as if we are maybe I'm setting up a straw man here, but we act as if we are um, 
we're able to be fully aware of all of the sin and righteousness or lack thereof in our lives. But this makes it kind of seem like we're, we are actually blind to it. And we do need yeah. to actively be asking God to reveal what those things are in our life. You know, to remove that log, we need to be able to see it. But if we are blind, how do we see it? God reveals it to us and we need to be open and willing for that. Yeah, I think that, so one question that we had, and I, I don't think this person was alone in asking the question was, um, so how do you know the difference between, like when when should you say something? When should you call it? Because you talked about holding people accountable and that yeah. this isn't, it's not a license to just say, well, we just don't, we don't confront sin in each other's lives. Um, and so the question was, well, how do you know where that line is? And, and I was thinking about that and I was just thinking that, so I understand the question, but it's, it actually reveals like the issue at hand really is yeah. that there isn't a line. There's not, it's not like, well, when a sin gets bad enough, then you should say something. But until then, you should just accept it. That's, that's not the point. The point is that, like, the choice isn't judge or condone. That's often the, the false dichotomy we put ourselves in. Like, to, to condone, to not judge means to condone, accept, celebrate, right? So that's right, the world's, right. that's the world's, definition of what judgment is although it also is the biblical definition as far as like god's concerned when god judges something he is saying this is good or this is bad um and so so like the but the choice for us is not it's not like well we we condone and celebrate up until a certain point and then we have to judge right um it's it's actually judge or exhort to receive mercy and the grace offered in Jesus, right? That's, and so it's actually, the answer is always we should be encouraging people to receive mercy and grace in Christ. And so like, it's that one beggar telling another where to find bread. It is constantly asking people, we, we need to get better at, at calling people to, uh, to put their trust in Jesus which happens in in the context of relationship. It happens in the context of um, of just doing life with one another. Um, but it's not. It's. I don't know. Like you'd said, you use that quote from John Stott about yeah. like it's really about generosity. Yeah. That's what it is. It's it's you're constantly telling as one beggar, as one person who is starving and was given food, was given bread. You're constantly telling other people to lay hold of this bread that's been offered to them as well. So you're telling another hungry person to find bread and no one would find that judgmental. Like no one would think if somebody, if you have two starving people and one of them went around the corner and found all this bread and then they came back and right, said, right. Hey man, you're hungry. There's bread over here. No one's gonna be like, well, that's judgmental. But, well, no, you're hungry. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. But if you came back around the corner and you're like, well, I'm full. I don't know why you couldn't find bread. That's judgmental. Yeah, yeah. And so if that's the heart posture that we come at it with of like, well, I live a holy life, you can live a holy life too, well, that's judgmental. Or that you're not living up to the standard that I'm living up to, that's judgmental. But when you're saying, I have been in need of grace and mercy and any righteousness that is found in me or sanctification is the work of Christ and Christ alone, then 
you're free to say to somebody else, like that's also available to you and, and he's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it feels like we are sometimes really quick to forget that it, it takes a while. Like sanctification, there are some people who, man, by God's grace, um, and I, I can think of a few people even within our church family who they have been freed from particular sins like instantaneously. And like it's amazing. Praise God for that. But for a lot of us, the the process of of running from sin and confession and repentance, it's a, it's a process. And I'm even thinking about when is the last time we have celebrated the, the sins that God has freed us from or even thought about what that process has looked like? And why do we sometimes miss it? out extending that process to others who may be struggling uh how, how have we just m- like you said that that grace and mercy which is what we would look at our sanctification as is god's grace and mercy um but then sometimes if we go to other people we're like well just stop doing that it's like well it it took took you a while and it wasn't in your power it was the holy spirit like doing that in you so um we can't feed them that you know what we need to feed them is is grace mercy gospel um so i i get the question i get the i get the desire like i i think it comes from a like this is me taking the question of like when do we know when to not judge or condone or when when do we know the difference between the two and what like what i want to take that question at the best possible case is they're asking the question hey i know a brother or sister who are wrestling with sin how do I, like, I'm taking that at, at its best case, right? And I, I hear you saying, like, I want to help. Yeah. I want them Which to I be think accountable. Is, that's the 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 intent yeah. of this. Yeah. I think it can be, I mean, what you said right there is critical of, are we talking about yeah. the person that you have a yeah. relationship with? Or are you talking about kind of generic sin? Because unfortunately in the church um, today, and I say the church specifically, typically I mean the American church because that's, that's yeah. the church I know um, the best. But we, when we are talking about these kinds of things, we just go so vague and generic and national on it so yeah. quickly. But the reality is that when we're talking about this, this is life on life. Like this is not about this is not about stands that we take out there. This is about yes, you're walking with a brother or sister, which that bears fleshing out a little bit. Are you talking about, I mean, just imagine the different scenarios. Let's say you're walking with someone who is a Christ follower, but who is blind They don't to a, to a sin. They don't realize, they don't realize that they're um, gossiping. They don't realize that, that um, they're treating people poorly. They don't realize that they're, they may not realize that they're in some kind of sin that they didn't, they don't know that. They're just blind to it. They're either blind to that it is sin or they're blind to the fact that they are doing it, um, which we all are. Like, we all have these blind mm-hmm. spots. If that's the case, then what would the response be? Like, how does Jesus how does Jesus um, present himself to someone who is just authentically blind to something? And usually, usually, except for the religious, the self-righteous, that's a different category— um, he, there's gentleness, right? And like, I would encourage people be gentle. So if, if you're, let's say you're, let's say you're working with somebody who does not realize that they are coming off in a harsh way or that they're being, that they're being, that they're viewed as unkind and ungracious. Well, 
or, or they're like you mentioned posting something on social media, I would encourage people to be gentle to say, you know, something like, I'm not, I, listen, I may not be the one to, to say this. I know I often, you know, come off in a way that I, that I'm unaware of. I just don't know if you're aware that, that this, this could come off in this way, or I think that this is coming off in this way. Then that you're gently bringing that to light for a person. And the hope is that the person would say, oh man, I don't want to come off that way. I, I will, I'll, I'll look into that. I will consider that. I'll, you know, let me, me, they may want to talk to other believers and ask, I don't know. But, um, so that would be one thing. Another one is imagine, imagine a follower of Christ. That's a brother or sister who is struggling with a sin that they know Mm -hmm. they're fully aware. This is a pitfall for them. This is a sin that they have battled and they're struggling to gain victory over that. Well, man, that's a brother or sister that why would you why would you approach them in judgment? You should approach them in like coming alongside of them in that battle. Like how can I help you in this struggle? How can I be praying for you in the struggle? Is there is there anything I can do practically to help you in this struggle? So you're coming alongside of them um in in that battle. And then I mean the third option is that they're just hardened to it. And in my experience if someone's hardened to it, no like you're not going to soften. Their no, heart. you're not going to soften their heart by being hard about it or by letting yeah. them know what your stance is. That's not going to change anything. Um, in fact, it's probably only going to harden them further. And so, um, so in those situations, you just we have to rely on the Holy Spirit and pray that the Holy Spirit would open their eyes to to this and soften their heart um, to be able to receive any kind of of um, encouragement or exhortation um, from from another believer. Yeah. So I I think if I can kind of take what you said and maybe give some practical just categories and things to think about is is one, we've already made the assumption that it's a brother or sister in Christ, which I think is like a really important thing. Like you're assuming they profess Christ to be their follower before you even get to the point of follower of Christ. Yeah, to be sorry, whatever I said. Christ is not their follower. We got to make sure we're clarifying this. This, this this podcast <laughs> could take a hard <laughs> oh, turn, a hard left um, at Albuquerque. Don't, if we don't. No judge, don't judge me. All right. Okay. Anyways, um, so one, you're you're assuming they're a believer. Two, y- to say that they're family, brother or sister, like there is a, there's an assumption that if you are if you are planning on bringing something up or you're discerning, like um, there's that moment, like y- you kind of need to be prepared to walk with them in it. You need to be prepared to not just kind of drop a drop a one line and then walk away. Instead, there is a walking with that person. Yes, you know, and that's that's important. Like you should have that that posture of if I'm if I'm in a spot like I, you should already maybe be in a bit of a relationship with them in that right. you, you could do that. Um, but but if you're not, you should be willing to then walk with them in that. Um, and then you should also be willing to, like you said, they could be in a hard spot. They could be hardened to it, and if they are, to receive that and then to pray for them and to just take time to pray that 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 God's Spirit would would soften their heart. I think it's really telling that and I think it's really telling that the the first five and a half verses are all dealing with our self righteousness. Yeah. And then there's this half a verse. There's this this is like half a verse that then talks about holding someone else accountable. And so I think it all comes from a like it has to come from a humble heart. So even before before those things, and I, I, I hope I I hope I communicated that well of just us needing to be in a posture of confession and repentance right. in our daily lives. So to even 
get into the position where we're able to take the speck out of someone else's eye, we need to be able to um, honestly say that we are listening to the Spirit's prompting for that, and it's not coming from our own spot of self-righteousness. And the only way that works is if you do see that the log has been removed from your own eye. I mean, that is the self-righteousness. So so if you wonder, like, before you confront somebody, so, so here's the hard thing. We are meant to exhort one another and to confront sin in one another's lives. So the answer can't be to say, uh, well, yeah, we just live and let live. Mind, mind your own business. And mind your own business, yeah. right, yeah. So, no, what Jesus is calling you to is something even higher, to say, okay, yes, you have this responsibility, and this is the posture that you are to con- that you are to confront that in. And it is one of humility. It is one that finds your righteousness in Christ. It is one that realizes the log has been, like that you need a log removed from your own eye before you're going and dealing with the speck in your brother's eye. And I would just say that if you, if you're doing that, if you genuinely are approaching another believer with the posture of, again, one beggar telling another where to find bread, then you're going to be fine. And whether that person receives it or not is different. But if you are responding in gentleness, but if you sense self-righteousness creeping up, if you confront somebody from a, an air of superiority or from a position where you're uh, where in your mind or in your heart you are above them or that you are um further along than that anything like that that is evil yeah and that is a log that is in your eye and i would just say like to confront that and to make sure that when you go and and here's the hard thing about this man is we're not even like we're not even capable like i just i would well here's what i'd say assume you're being self-righteous yeah. Well, just, that's what, just assume. That's I told the reality. You, I told you that on Sunday morning. Yeah. When you walked in here, you're like, oh, how are you feeling about this morning? And I was like, <laughs> there, there is such an irony yeah. in preaching judge not. And I like, I am yeah. terrified even after this podcast that like intel, like there is a judgment that is happening. Yeah. And it's like, ah, it just feels like kind of gross when thinking about it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like I need to say that because we often give ourselves a quick once over of like, Oh yeah, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not feeling self-righteous. I think the best posture always when you're confronting sin in anyone else's life is to assume your posture is self-righteousness yeah. and to plead for mercy from God and to to really put yourself in a place like when He says, "First, remove the log from your own eye." I mean, think about what that entails. It's like you're talking about a life of repentance. And so, I would say before you go and approach anybody else. Spend some time in repentance and in thanking God for his grace and his mercy and reminding yourself of that apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Reminding yourself that that you we were once children like by nature, but we were wrath, like children of wrath by nature. But God being rich in mercy because of the love with which he loved us like this, this mentality, put yourself in that posture, in that place. And then from there, now you'll be able to see clearly to see your brother who is maybe maybe blind as you have been blind. And so you're just going to gently try to shine some light and trust that the spirit in them is going to be quick to respond to that. And just think about how you would want to be approached. Jesus is going to talk about this here in a, in a few verses, but think about how you would want to be approached. If you were blind to a sin in your life and you didn't realize that you were hurting people or that you were coming off in a certain way or 
um, like how would you want to be approached? I would guess you'd want to be approached gently. I would, I guess you would want to be approached in a way that the person knows you're not, that you don't really want to be coming off that way that, um, and that, and that you would want the opportunity to pursue repentance and reconciliation in the mercy of Christ. And so, um, you'll be able to see clearly then to be gentle in that case. You'll be able to see clearly to see that your brother and sister is struggling in this sin and so that you'd be looking to to come alongside them and, and help them rather than standing in a place of judgment. Um, and Or you'd be able to see clearly as you gently kind of approach that, that if they're hardened and defensive, that may not be their long-term response, right? I mean, if anybody has ever been confronted on something and and needed a couple of days to process that, like you're not alone. Oh, that is so, that is me 100%. Right. So yeah. let people give people space. When you know, I've had situations where I've tried to be gentle, I've tried to be um, you know, I just kind of set it out there and a person has not responded well. And and there are times where I then get defensive and self-righteous and and I need to repent of that. But when when I'm functioning the way Christ wants me to in that moment, then I'm going to give them space and I'm just going to let it sit there. And I'm going to say, okay, I'm, you know, I could be totally off on that. I just wanted to, I just wanted to put that out there and, and just walk away and give people space. And I've had people come back to me then and say, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized, yeah, I think that is the way that I'm coming off. Or I do think that I'm um, not trusting Christ in this way. But all of that, man, you, you mentioned the believer thing, and, and here's why. This is why this is so critical, and this is something that the church needs to grasp the concept of. There is a way in which we are called to judge one another, but it's a very specific case, and it's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5 when Paul says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Okay, so there he's he's pointing out, and, and this is not about sexually immoral and immoral. That's not the that's not actually the point, because he says, or greedy or um, idolaters or swindlers. So what he's saying is when I wrote to you to not associate with immoral people, I obviously wasn't meaning those in the world. Right. Because then you'd have to like completely isolate yourself because everything we do apart from Christ is sin. Right. Even our righteous, quote unquote, righteous acts are not righteous without Christ. And so he's saying, like, listen, if you're trying to avoid all that, which this is a total argument against trying to isolate yourself from the world and just like live in a bubble and hope that you can be protected from all the evil out there. It's like, no, no, we're, our hearts are the idol factories, right? Like the f- evil is like in our, the sin is in our nature. It infects every area of us. And so he's saying, I'm not saying judge them. Like, what do you, he says, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Mm. That's a hard passage. It is, right? yeah. Like, so I, that's, that's a whole sermon's worth. But let's just, like the big thing that as it relates to here is that Paul says there is an element to which that word judge works, but it's in the context, and, and hear this, it's in the context of the local church. 
Yep. That is where that is. And that is about the holiness of, of the family. And so just like in your, like if you have an immediate family and there's a member of that family who is causing great destruction to the family, there comes a time where that family has to say, you, you can't participate in the family here. We can't have you because you are, you are destructive and divisive and you are just in full rebellion here. And so that is the place for the local church. But otherwise, he's saying, what in the world do you have to do with judging out those outside of the church? Yeah. Like, let, you don't. That's God's, that's God's, that's God's yeah. job. Yeah. And so when we look at these passages and think in terms, this is why it goes all the way back to what you said earlier. This is a person that you have relationship with, mm-hmm. that you have responsibility for, that you are involved with, and you should have those people in your life. That is what all of this is talking about. If it's someone outside, if it's like, you know, some political movement or some um, demographic that has like, you know, a cultural impact, like any of these things where we're looking at it and saying there are these these types of forces, like we don't have anything to do with with judging them. That is up to God. Our job is to abide in Christ. That is always our role and to help others abide in Christ. And when we think of it in those terms, like, am I abiding in Christ? And I need his mercy every day to do that and his grace to do that every day. And then I want to help my brother or sister that I'm walking with to also abide in Christ and trust him fully, which they need the same mercy and grace that I need. And I want to offer that to them and exhort them to to trust in that. And then we let God, God deals with all the rest of it. And, and makes his judgment because he is the standard bearer. He is the one who is worthy of doing that. We aren't. And so I think if we did that and we understood that this is in the context of the local church and spent more of our time being concerned with battling sin in our own life and being willing to confront those who are with us, right, like and, and, and exhorting one another to pursue holiness, I mean, just think about how the world around us would actually change. But instead, we're typically blind to our own, the log in our own eye and to the eyes of the people that are with us, right? Like that yep. we look at it yep. as like we, and and then we together have this big giant log in all of our eyes and then we judge those outside. And Jesus is like, man, you hypocrites. And, and I feel that, I feel the weight of it. And then Paul has to deal with it later. It's like you're you're being a hypocrite. You're judging those outside of the church for this, but inside you just let all this go rampant. And yeah, we 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 tend to have it backwards, right? We just we, we always have it backwards. Yeah, and, <laughs> like and, first look at yourself and those closest to you, and then you'll see clearly. Like you first look at yourself, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to love those outside of the church and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them rather than what we do is we judge those furthest away from us. And then as we get closer and closer to ourselves, we declare everyone more and more righteous until we get to ourselves who we declare the most righteous. And it's gross. It's really gross. And it's gross in my own heart. And I hate it even saying it. Yeah. And how else are we going to be, how are we going to be salt and light? Yeah, if, we can. if if we yeah, we can't we can't if we're going if you know church if we're going to be salt and light like we need to we need to be willing to be humble yeah and and to receive just to receive mercy and offer the mercy that's been given to you this and to to get away from thinking that 
holiness is about taking stands on issues. It is not. Holiness is about finding ourselves in Christ and every moment of every day pursuing him, pursuing faithfulness to him, and then encouraging those around us, who, whatever our sphere of influence is, whether in our workplace or family, to either to proclaim the good news that Jesus came to be our righteousness and that we can repent, we can turn from our sin, and we can have his righteousness, and then to walk in that newness of that life. So to offer that to people, and then to encourage those who have laid hold of that to to walk in that identity, to pursue the abundant life that's offered in, in Christ. And then as a church, we, we take responsibility um, for one another to continue to exhort and to make sure that the culture of our church is one that's pursuing holiness, not one that just abdicates sin and lets it fester. And frankly, when you look in Scripture, um, like notice the other things that he talked about, greed, swindling, idolatry. Other times it's gossip, division. Like These are the things that actually destroy the church. Right. And, and that's the stuff that Paul is normally calling out, and it's the stuff that Je- Jesus calls out hypocrisy, and then Paul um, calls out all these things that cause disunity in the church and damage the witness of the church. And that's where most of all of this, that's where most of our attention should be, is on our own pursuit of Christ and, and being encouragement to others around us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think it's Flee good. self-righteousness. Run. I like it. Run. Yeah, run, run from it and pursue the righteousness of Christ and receive it in grace and mercy and then offer it to others. If you need help in doing that, I hope that this has been helpful. I know it's a it's a hard topic to deal with. We really appreciate um, it's really helpful when we get questions like this. So I'm so grateful for the person that asked this question um, to just say, "Hey, I, I'm struggling with this." We that really helps us to know what direction we should take some of these conversations. So if you could do that for us, it would be super helpful. Anytime you hear a sermon. Um, you know, on a Sunday or whatever, anything that you think of during the message, write, jot it down. You can do it anonymously. Fill it out on a card, put it in a, put it in the offering box, or just hand it to one of us, or um, uh, send us an email. Anything like that would um, would greatly help us as we try to just be a resource to to help us figure out what does this look like to follow Jesus um, in light of His Word. And, um, and so obviously either that questions, prayer requests, or any way that we can help you get connected so that you can walk with a family, with God's family on mission, we want to be able to do that. So thank you for listening. It's good to be back with you. I hope it was helpful. Until next time, grace and peace.